You're listening to a podcast from St. Barts. To find out more about our church or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au. Good morning, everyone. A new year and a new series, our mission. So it would be helpful for you to have your Bible or your Bible apps open at our Acts reading. So Acts chapter 1. There's an outline of the sermon on the back of the new sheet with translation points and, and space for notes if that's helpful for you. So let's begin with prayer. Almighty Father, as you have given us your word, give us now your spirit that we may understand and live the things which we hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin this new year, we're going to spend the next three Sundays refocusing on our mission. Our mission to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ for God's glory. This is our collective mission as a community of faith. And we all have an individual role to play, whether it be here at church or on our various front lines. This week, we'll look at the first aspect of our mission, making disciples. Next week, we'll look at the second part, maturing disciples. And then we'll look at what it would look like, what it would take to multiply disciples. You might hear the word mission, the words making disciples, and think that's just impossible. Mission impossible. I'm sure you're familiar with the dramatic opening sequence of Mission Impossible. A fuse suddenly ignites and slowly burns across the screen. A familiar syncopated theme song starts to play. And of course, everything culminates in a big explosion. Whether it was the original TV show a few decades ago, the remake, or the subsequent film franchise, Mission Impossible has been hugely successful. Action-packed sequences, death-defying stunts, intricate plots, elaborate disguises, and its iconic music. But each mission begins with the same invitation. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. By God's grace, we are all invited to join his mission in the world. This is why he sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And how did Jesus accomplish this? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus died and rose again so that we could be reconciled to God and set free from the burden of sin and death. This is the good news, the gospel that we have to share. This is the good news that Jesus invites us to share with the world. We just heard the conclusion of Matthew's gospel. Jesus sending his disciples into the world. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Our mission statement is grounded in these final words of Jesus. It reflects this great commission. Now we might think that making disciples is impossible because we live in a post-Christian culture, particularly here in Australia. What do the stats say? Well, in the last census, over 93% of respondents chose to answer the religious affiliation question, even more than the previous one. Around 44% of Australians claim to be Christians. Now, the next most common response was no religion, being selected by about 39%. Now, these statistics might seem daunting, but there is also great gospel opportunity. Over the next three weeks, we're going to look back at the experience of the early church and see what lessons we can learn for our mission today. As the first followers of Jesus were sent and empowered for their mission, Jesus sends us and empowers us as well. This morning we focus on Jesus' final words to his disciples in Acts. Jesus told them to wait for the Spirit, to avoid distractions, and to go and witness. Let's now see how each of these are relevant to our mission today. So let's turn to verses 1 to 3 in chapter 1 of Acts. Luke wrote, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and spoke about the kingdom of God. Luke reminds his readers of Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus is alive. He then continues, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They are to go, but first they wait. If we go back to Jesus' death, we see the disciples locked away and fearful. In John's account, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. What was the response? The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And if we look at Luke's account, while the disciples were still talking about this, that's the experience of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. The disciples were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. The disciples were transformed by their encounter with the risen Lord. But this was also a time of 
great and significant transition for them. The disciples were changing from being followers of Jesus to being leaders and proclaimers of his message. Jesus was about to leave them as he returned to heaven. The coming of the Spirit marked a transition from being with Jesus, relying on his physical presence, to relying on the indwelling presence and guidance of the Spirit. Jesus instructed his disciples to wait for the Spirit to ensure they were adequately equipped, empowered and prepared for the mission ahead. The Holy Spirit would empower them with strength, wisdom and boldness to be effective witnesses of the good news. The waiting period allowed for reflection, prayer and unity among the disciples. And we know this waiting period culminated in the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples in a powerful and visible way. This public event symbolised the beginning of the church's mission and the fulfilment of Jesus' promise. So as we seek to make disciples on our front lines, how do we wait for the Spirit? First, waiting doesn't mean doing nothing. Waiting doesn't mean avoiding making disciples. It doesn't mean expecting a sign, a green light, so to speak, that we can share the gospel with a particular person or in a particular place. And waiting doesn't mean leaving it to somebody else, leaving it to the professionals. Yes, there are those Christians who are particularly gifted as evangelists, but we are all called to play our part in making disciples, even if we don't feel confident or competent to do so. Waiting does two things. It helps us to be prepared and empowered. As we wait, we should be praying, praying that God by his spirit would go before us and prepare the way, that the spirit would guide our endeavours. After all, it is God who changes hearts. We point to him through our actions and our words. So we should be praying for opportunities to share the good news on our front lines. And as we wait, we also build relationships on our front lines. And I think this is really important when we enter a new front line. We get to know people, the culture of the place, and of course they get to know us. Tim Keller was a strong believer in developing deep and meaningful relationships with people, regardless of their faith, because that allowed Christians to engage in open and honest conversations about faith. So as we wait, we are also ready for opportunities when they arise. Then his disciples gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus had died and risen. Jesus had defeated sin and death. But still the disciples wanted to know when Israel would be restored, when Israel would be freed from Roman control. But Jesus' mission is greater than restoring Israel. Jesus will restore all creation when he returns. 
And so Jesus replies to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, despite these words, perhaps words of warning, there was continuous speculation about Jesus' imminent return. Jesus had spoken about the coming of the kingdom of God, the Son of Man, describing signs and events that were seen as precursors to his return. One of the most significant events was the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 AD. This event was a fulfilment of Jesus' prophecy about the temple's destruction. And so some interpreted this as a sign of the end times, believing that Jesus would return very soon. There were also wars, revolts, famines, natural disasters, and Christians face persecution and death. All of these were viewed as indications that Jesus was about to return. But Jesus told the disciples not to be caught up in all of that speculation. Jesus knew that speculating about the timing of future events could only lead to distractions and disputes. Jesus wanted to prevent the disciples from getting entangled in debates and distractions that could divert their attention from the essential mission of spreading the gospel. And so Jesus then redirects the disciples' attention from the specific timing of future events to the immediate mission at hand. The disciples were about to receive the Spirit and were called to be witnesses of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Jesus wanted them to focus on the present task of spreading the gospel rather than becoming preoccupied with the timing of future events. So today, how can we be distracted from the mission of making disciples? I think we can fall into the same trap as those first disciples. We want to know when Jesus will return. And so we can become distracted by trying to interpret world events, the rise of significant leaders, as pointers to his return. We have to remember that Jesus said it is not for us to know. And so any attempt to figure it out can only result in conflict with other Christians as we disagree on what we see. And this can only then impede our mission to make disciples. Yes, we need to be watchful and attentive, but not distracted. We can also be distracted by focusing inwards on ourselves as individuals and as a community. Our main focus can become our needs, our own spiritual growth, our own spiritual journey. We can devote ourselves completely to those ministries of our church which build each other up. Now, of course, these are all important aspects of maturing disciples, which we'll look at next week. But if we only look inward, there is no way we can then go and witness to others. That is why everything we do, whether it be our Sunday morning services, our children and youth ministries, our small groups, our special events, 
our carols and our public lecture are all aimed, yes, at maturing disciples, but also to making disciples. Jesus said, don't be distracted, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples will be empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses of Jesus. Where? Starting in Jerusalem, then in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now this list seems a nice orderly itinerary for Jesus' disciples, but there is danger at every corner. Jesus was arrested, put on trial, and then crucified just outside Jerusalem. The same leaders who arrested Jesus would likely arrest anyone speaking about Jesus and share his fate. The people of Judea and Samaria were occupied and controlled by Roman forces. Roman forces didn't always tolerate other religions. And we know that early Christians were persecuted for their faith. The ends of the earth, well, that was mostly unknown. And so danger, opposition, persecution, arrest and death awaited these early witnesses of the faith. Now, it's true that we don't face that same danger in the majority of cases. So how do we witness in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? How does that apply to us? As we see, the mission field widens and we can see that in the geographical sense as well as a cultural one. We can see our mission field for making disciples as local, national and international. Making disciples begins at home with our own family, our workplace, our neighbours, our local community, our school, college or university, our sporting team or social group. At St. Bart's, we talk a lot about our front lines. These are the places we work, study and play. We spend considerable time and energy in these places. We build significant relationships. It makes sense that we should witness to Jesus on these front lines. How do we do that? Well, we do that by living authentic Christian lives loving God and loving neighbour, building friendships, building relationships and being always prepared to speak about Jesus and what he has done for us. We can prayerfully invite people to church, our small group. Alpha is about to start next month and so that is a great opportunity for people to explore their questions of life, meaning and faith. Our special events, our public lecture and carols and our Easter and Christmas services are opportunities for people to hear the good news of Jesus. People may be more open to invitation than we think. Now it's true that we may be called further afield to international mission. 
even if we're not called, we can still support that mission through prayer, financial and practical support. So we can see our mission field as geographical, but we can also see our mission field culturally. People like us, people a little bit like us, and people very different to us. Now in the past, those three categories would match the geographical ones. But we live in a multicultural and post-Christian society. So it may well be that people in our local area, people on our front lines, could be very different to us, have very different backgrounds, different experiences to us. The more we have in common, the easier we develop relationships and it's easier to communicate the gospel. The further we are apart, sharing the good news becomes more challenging, but not impossible. And so this takes more time, more commitment, more prayer, more patience, and more grace. At St. Bart's, we believe we are called to make and mature disciples of Jesus. With all the opportunities a new year offers, let us rededicate ourselves to this mission of making disciples. On our front lines, let's wait for the Spirit to empower, guide and sustain us. On our front lines, and even here at church, let's not be distracted from this mission of making disciples. And let us go in the power of the Spirit and share the good news wherever we are and wherever we are called to go. Making disciples can be challenging. We can face apathy, opposition, ridicule, and sometimes even persecution. But the good news is that we don't do it on our own. Whenever the Mission Impossible team is offered a mission, there is an important disclaimer. You should always read the fine print. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Even though the team risk their lives for the supposed greater good, if things go wrong, they're on their own. But not so with us. When Jesus sent his disciples to go and make more disciples, he gave them this promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As we seek to make disciples on our front lines, we can trust that Jesus will always be with us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for his death and resurrection, for his defeat of sin and death, and his invitation to be reconciled to God. We thank you that you invite us to be part of your mission of making disciples. Help us to be guided and sustained by your spirit that we may be witnesses to your good news on our front lines. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast from St. Bart's.
To learn more or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au.